Today, we're going to hear from our friends, Steve and Patty Buss, directors of One Hope Network of Eugene, Oregon. This is a recording of our first evening session at the Northwest Christian Convention, which took place on June 21st, 2022. This was the kickoff of our 170th convention together in Turner, Oregon, at the historic Turner Tabernacle. What do you say? How about we do this together? Well, good evening. Uh, as Becca and Chad introduced uh, Patty and I, um, we're just delighted to be here. Um, Patty and I are going to tag team tonight. I'm going to share the first half of the message and then she's going to come up and bring it home for us. But it's a delight to be with you here tonight. Uh, there are many friends here that I've known for a long time. Um, and it's just a, just a wonder to be here. I... Um, my, my background in Jesus involves the Christian church. Uh, I came to start following Jesus at age 20 in a suburb of Denver, Colorado. And I won't go into my longer testimony tonight, but Southeast Christian Church um, in Denver, Colorado was the church that God highlighted to me. I was a long-haired heavy metal drummer at age 20. Yes! And again, there was a lot of seeds, a lot, a lot of story there, but I literally walked into Southeast Christian Church just on some random day in the middle of the day and said, hey, I think I might want to follow Jesus and I might want to get baptized. Talk to me. And, um, and uh, Pastor Russ McCracken was the senior pastor. Robin Thompson was the youth pastor and Robin was there and he, he said, well, let's talk. He broke out a New Testament, an NIV, and this is what Jesus says about baptism. This is what Jesus says about following him. And long story short, I ended up making a commitment to Christ, got baptized a few weeks later, and started my relationship with God right in the Christian church family. Um, and so uh, I just share part of that heritage. Moved to Fort Collins, Colorado uh, a few years later and got connected in a Disciples of Christ church there. Um, called The Healing Place, Pastor um, Charlie Patchen. So it's a delight to be with you. And I so appreciate and value the heritage that you have. So tonight, tonight's going to be a little bit more of an equipping message, I hope. And it is our intent that tonight in the few minutes that we have together, there's going to be an equipping that happens for all of us in the room. I'm a Specifically, um, in, our, in my heart and in Patty's heart, specifically, I really want to speak to like everyone in the room, but be very intentional to younger people in the room because I believe that there is a baton to be passed in this unique season of time. So tonight, Patty and I are going to be speaking about the communities in which we live. We heard, heard the song about Jericho and its walls coming down. And I appreciated the story being on that fifth day, taking that fifth lap on that fifth day. But we all live in cities and God has called us to, to different communities. And so think with me, is the death and resurrection of Jesus still able to transform a whole community? 
Is the death and resurrection of Jesus powerful enough to change enough lives to literally transform a community? And with you, I say yes. I say yes. That the gospel is the solution for every people group and every person who's ever lived on the planet. And when God looks at our communities, what does he see? What does he see? I believe when he looks down from heaven, literally there are only two groups of people when he looks at your community. There are people who know him and follow him, and there are people who don't. And for everyone who knows and follows Jesus in your community, I want to submit to you that those people are your church. That everyone, whether you live in Salem or in Boise or in Roseburg, that everyone in your community that loves and follows Jesus goes to your church. So there needs to be, and 2,000 years has brought a lot of change to the church over the years, wouldn't you agree? And so through those changes, there's been very many denominations, and most of those denominations have started because of a move of God, a wonderful thing, right? And so we have different denominations, we have distinctive. So what I'm about to share tonight, what we're about to bring tonight is we're not calling for or putting in the context at all that there needs to be some chief leadership over a community of churches, but that the different churches in a community with their glorious distinctives, God has called to be one in the community where they live and minister. So tonight I want to begin with um, a simple reflection so that Jesus would touch our eyes so that we would see brand new. In Mark chapter 8, we have the story of Jesus seeing the blind man and he was, his friends were begging for Jesus to heal him. And so Jesus took him outside of Bethsaida and Jesus did an amazingly strange thing. He spit on the man's eyes and he put his hands on him. And then Jesus said to him, do you see anything? And the man said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Well, this is an amazing story because like the first time that Jesus like spit and touched him, like he wasn't completely healed. So it's very interesting. But that, the scripture goes on to say that Jesus put his hands on the man again. And then it says, his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. So can I pray for us tonight? And we're, I'm going to invite the Lord Jesus to put his hands on our eyes so that we could see everything clearly. And this doesn't just pertain to tonight. I pray that as we pray this prayer together that Jesus is going to enable you to see your family in a brand new way, that Jesus is going to enable you to see your future in a brand new way, and that Jesus is going to enable you to see his church and your community in a brand new way. Let's pray. So Lord Jesus, we don't want to see people like trees. 
Jesus, we need to see completely. And we're asking you to touch our eyes again. Help us all to see what you're doing. Help us to see clearly from your perspective, according to your word and as your Holy Spirit leads. Jesus, put your hands on our eyes again. And it's in your name we ask, Lord. Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 13 and John chapter 17 here in just a moment. But before we get there, I just want to set a quick context for the city church. As the Apostle Paul wrote many of the epistles, he wrote many of those epistles to churches in a city. So when Paul is addressing all of the believers in Rome, he's, he wrote the book of Romans, right? He said to the church at Rome. He begins his letter in chapter 1. To the church in Rome. Okay, that's a big no-duh, right? And so when Paul's writing that letter, he's not writing to an individual group of 150. He's writing to all the believers in Rome. Subsequently, when he writes 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, he's writing to all the church in Corinth. The church singular in Corinth. Now, we know that the early church met in small groups and they met in large groups. That's true. But there was one church. There was not a divided group of people. There was not a divided ecclesia. Ecclesia, that Greek word for church, meaning the called out ones. That ecclesia term was a unique term used by the Romans and the Greeks in a unique sense. The Romans used the word ecclesia church. They would send an ecclesia to an area that they recently took over and that ecclesia would take the customs of Rome and bring it to the place that they just conquered. That's how they used the word ecclesia. But there was one ecclesia in Rome. There was one ecclesia. There was one church in Corinth. And there was one church in the early church in the cities that had a church. It wasn't many different churches. Okay? So that's pretty clear. Now, it doesn't always say church. As you look at um, the book of Colossians or Philippians, Paul addresses to all God's holy people in both of those books. So he's talking to all the believers again in that city. So everything written is applied to that one group of people. All right, just getting a little context to see the church in the city. Now, how can we as Christians today from our different denominations with different traditions, how can believers in the same community find unity? And I want to submit to you that as we've seen these kinds of unity movements happen in different communities around the United States and around the world, I like to think of it like this, that we can build unity around the priorities of Jesus, the priorities of Jesus. In other words, what are those high priority, super clear elements of the gospel, of the kingdom that we all can simply agree on? And so one of those one of those priorities of Jesus, Jesus labels the new command. It comes out of John 13 and, cha- and John chapter 13 and verse 34. And Jesus says this, a new command I give you, 
There's one new command in the New Testament, people. There's one new command in the New Testament. So Jesus is highlighting a priority here. And he's given a new command. And Jesus says in John 13 and 34, A new command I give you. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Okay, that is a priority of Jesus. And so from whatever denominational stream you're in, if you follow and love Jesus, you can see that as a priority and we can agree that Jesus wants us to do that. Correct? As long as you're following Jesus in the same community, we know that Jesus is inviting us, not even inviting us. He's commanding us, he's commanding us to, with the agape love with which he loved us, he's commanding us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is not an option. So can we as fellow believers who share the same geography. We might not share the same precise theology, but we share the same geography. And according to the biblical picture, there is one church in a community that is called to that community to represent Jesus to that community. And to the degree that that group of people, those Jesus followers who share the same geography, to the degree that they love each other and obey the new command, and when that love is extant in that place, I love it where it says in Colossians chapter 3, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. You see, when we are loving, when we are loving one another, when we are taking steps to do that kind of agape love with which Jesus loves us, when we step out to love, we are bound together in unity. Love begets unity, unity begets love. And when the group of people who follow Christ in one community are united in love and united in their focus to follow and represent Jesus, I want to say something. That's called obedience. When that doesn't happen, that's disobedience. And I'm going to say this, to the, to the extent, we're going to look at John 17 in just a minute, to the degree that we are in love and in unity with one another is the degree that Jesus can reflect is the degree that the goodness and glory of God reflects off of us when we're in love and we're in unity so that the world will know and believe. Let's go to John 17. We can go over more priorities, but I do have, I do have a teammate who's going to come and preach your heart out and bring it home here in a minute, so I have to keep moving on. Let's look at John 17. You know this prayer? This is a prayer of Jesus. Jesus is praying this on the night that he was betrayed, the night before he goes to the cross. And Jesus prays this in verse 20 of chapter 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one 
as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may, and may they be brought to complete unity so that the world will believe that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So Jesus prays this night that we as his followers would be one as the Father and Son are one. He's invite. listen, this mystery. He's inviting us into a unity that the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit share. There's a unity, there's a heavenly unity that actually is real in heaven and he is inviting us into that kind of unity. And it's possible. It's kind of like a corporate vine in the branches, right? That we're in Christ and Christ is in us and that together we're in him and he's in us together. Jesus prays the same thing twice in essence. He says, number one, he, said, he prays that we would be one so that the world would believe. And then he prays that we would be brought to complete unity so the world would know. So listen, when we are one, then the world can believe. When we're brought to complete unity, then the world will know. The way that we set the table, the way that God graces us to create an environment for people to see Christ and come into the kingdom and respond to the gospel is based on our love and unity. Right there, Jesus prayed it. I pray that they would be one for the world to know. I pray they'd be brought to complete unity so the world will believe. So our unity is essential. How does God see our community? I believe. I believe. And, and we have reports coming from all over the world, not coming from us, but they're, 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 they're happening all over the world, not just in the United States. The body of Christ in cities and communities are coming together with greater frequency and fruitfulness, resulting in people seeing Christ and coming into the kingdom. And it's happening literally all over the world. So how does this happen? Okay, this sounds, yeah, okay, we're in the Bible, this sounds right, I'm, we're in agreement. So we're going to share a few stories on how, how does this practically happen? How do the different churches who live in a community share the same geography, literally have the same neighbors? You go to the same restaurant, you're in the same schools, the same business. How does that church actually function, actually operate in unity? And so we're going to share a few stories on how that's happened in our context and a few other contexts as well. And I want to share a few things about something called One Church, One Day. So if you want to bring up that slide, that would be great. In our context, in the Central Lane County area, pastors and leaders, without going into big, long history, simply put, how are we going to function in unity? And so leaders together, we've decided that we're going to do three things to help us actually function together in unity. We're going to together pray. We're going to together serve our community collaboratively. And thirdly, we're going to together share the gospel. Now, I'm going to share just a minute here about this effort called One Church, One Day. So the thing that we have majored on in our context in Lane County is prayer because obviously we can't do anything until we pray but once we pray and God starts doing anything then we can join him in the work amen so by the grace of God 
God has given us a rhythm of prayer in our community. Not just this, one church one day, but pastors and ministry leaders meet once a month to pray together. That's been going on for dozens and dozens of years. So here just a a little while, just last week, we had uh, about 50 leaders gather for, for monthly prayer. And we gather also at the coast for a prayer summit. Around 50 leaders gather there for three days just to worship and pray. So we have, a, we have a monthly rhythm of leaders getting together to pray. So after several years of doing this, more than several, God introduced us to another community that was doing a prayer effort called One Church, One Day. This is a model that has been replicated in communities, okay? And our community is just one of them. But we have 53 churches that are banding together to cover every single month in 24-7 prayer. And we just completed our seventh year of doing this together. Now, how this, how this functions, I'm just going to illustrate it. And by the way, our lovely Becca is the one who did the uh, graphic design for this calendar. So uh, we, we appreciate Becca in so many ways. But here's, here's how One Church One Day operates. So... One church, each church adopts one day a month to pray for 24 hours. Some churches just adopt one day a month and they pray for 12 hours. And there's a few churches that just adopt a day a month and they get the prayer guide. And I'm going to tell you about the prayer guide. Together we work to produce a monthly prayer guide that's broken into 10 sectors. You can see the sectors on the right. The um, education, government, business, healthcare, family, the arts, media, sports, police and fire and the church. For each one of those sectors, we have what's called a strategic team. It's a group of people who work in that sector and they meet once a month. They're believers and they create the prayer requests. So we get relevant ways to pray for each of those sectors. So we have government leaders meet every month to discern how to pray for government. And that goes on a prayer guide. We have educational leaders that meet every, every month and discern how to pray into the schools. And that goes on the prayer guide. So you get a prayer, every single one of these church, churches get a monthly prayer guide with relevant prayer requests in each of these categories. Go ahead and go to two slides ahead to show the prayer guide. There we go. So that's the first half of the prayer guide. That's just an example. So we got, you know, four or five requests under each category. Go ahead and go to the next slide. I just magnified it. So these are just two sectors, the church and education. So for example, look under education. This is a prayer that was being prayed uh, the last two months. Pray for God to lead the process and selection of the next 4J school superintendent. So these are just examples of how the churches have been praying together for the last seven years. But that's not only it. I haven't got to the best part yet. The best part is by God's grace, we are able every other month to report answers to prayer. And most of those answers to prayer have come in the newspaper, that people can see them. And I'm going to share with you a couple answers to prayer. Patty, why don't you come up here and join me so we can hand off a little quicker. So I'm going to share with you a couple answers to prayer. In our first year of doing One Church One Day, we... uh, through the government strategic team. Again, we have government leaders meeting and they discern how to pray for the government. 
And so they wanted us to pray for something called Operation 365. It was an effort with the city of Eugene, Lane County, and a couple of nonprofits. Listen to this. To house 365 homeless veterans in a year. It's a pretty audacious goal that they had. But these government leaders thought, hey, let's put that on the prayer guide. And so we did. And so month after month, we, were, we kept praying for Operation 365. And we described what it was in the prayer guide to house homeless veterans. We kind of kept track of the numbers. So we prayed about that for about uh, five and a half months. And at the end of the year, 404 homeless veterans found homes. It was a miracle. Yes, give God the glory. Now, those government leaders on that strategic team know it's a miracle. They know it's a miracle. The, the, people, the people in those nonprofits know it's a miracle. It's a hand of God. By the way, that's the perfect example of the integration of church and state. Okay, if you want an example for that, okay? Literally, like the government's working hard, nonprofits are working hard, and the church is praying. And the church is praying. I want to tell you another story. And then I'm going to invite Patty to come. There's literally, we've got 40 pages of documented answers to prayer. This is about four years into it. And one of our sectors is the police and fire department. We pray for the safety of our police and firefighters 24-7. There's churches that are praying. I got a voicemail from the fire chief early when I woke up one morning. He left at about four in the morning. And the voicemail, in, in the voicemail, his voice sounded terrible. He said, Steve, last night our teams responded to a large house fire. It was so large that the two houses next to it were on fire. And as soon as our teams got in place and started their work, a gunman, 20 yards away, opened fire with a shotgun. And then his voice turned. He said, Steve, I'm calling to give glory to God. Not one of our firefighters were injured. It's a miracle. Yeah. yeah. One and a half months later, after the ballistics report, we do annually in our community, community-wide worship. We gather two times a year to worship and pray together, the different churches. The fire chief, who loves Jesus, stood at that worship together, community-wide worship service, and he shared some of the details that there were over 400 buckshot that were collected at the scene. That that gunman was in a firefight. He was, there was a firefight going on. He ended up taking his life. But there was a firefight. He was trying to kill the firefighters. And, and the fire chief said that our firefighters had buckshot in their turnout gear. They had nicks in their helmets. And one had a hole in his pants. But there was not one puncture wound on any of those firefighters. Now you see the church was praying. Together in unity, we were calling on Jesus. Who's gonna pray in Jesus' name except for the people who love and follow Jesus? Who's God gonna respond to to do what only God can do except for the people who follow Jesus? There's ways that God can bind us together in functional unity, that we can actually operate in unity. But listen, here's what happens. Then these answers to prayer that happen outside in our community, every one of those churches knows that God has answered our together prayers. 
It's our church. It's our God on the move in our community, bringing literal transformation to lives. And we're giving God the glory, but together we're seeing our God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, answer our prayers as we pray together. This is one of the ways that he joins us together in unity and he brings transformation to communities. And so tonight is about equipping. And so everyone who's here, whether you're, whether you're a senior citizen, whether you're retired, whether you're in middle school or high school or college, I pray that the vision of John 17, of John 13, 34, that we would love one another the way he loves us in our communities, that we would be one as the Father and Son are one. So the world will believe. I pray that you would be commissioned, that the impartation of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, that you've got a part to play, that God gives you a part to play in connecting the body of Christ together in your community so that the unity of the church in your city, in your community, shines bright and Jesus' glory just increases in your community. Patty, why don't you come? We're just a little passionate about prayer. (laughs) But we need to be because prayer is like the greatest joy that there ever could be. It's, Isaiah said, there will be joy in the house of the Lord, in the house of prayer. And I think the joy is so real because God's doing all the heavy lifting and we're just abiding and we're asking him to do on earth what only he can do. But we're here and he wants us to partner with him. I'm going to share just a couple of things that are a little bit more story related to I'm sure as we're listening and we're thinking about the unity of the church, there is a little switch in our brain going, this has been the most divisive season in the church in the last two years. Are you kidding me? If you're not thinking that, praise God, you are full of faith and you are looking at him because I don't think God is looking at the world right now going, oh man, they're so divided, I don't know what to do. I don't think he is. But I do think he's looking for a people who will look at what he's looking at and see what he's seeing because he is uniting and moving his church. So if I was going to present to you something really valuable, like if you were going to come and buy a diamond, okay, at a jewelry store, something that's super valuable and it's of brilliance, we, we would place it on a black piece of cloth, wouldn't we? Maybe on velvet. Because its brilliance and its many-faceted beauty would shine so much better. And I believe in these last two years, through everything we've been walking through, through that kind of dark backdrop, provides the most brilliant, the most black backdrop for the brilliance of the unity of the body to shine forward. I can say in our community, there's a few things that happened that I don't need to be reminded or or convinced that Jesus wants us to be one. He prayed it. That's enough. That's my my next little tagline. Because you say so, we're going to add to it because you prayed so also. John 17, he prayed it. He said it. 
It's enough that he wants us to be unified, but these last couple of years have showed the resiliency and the potency of what happens when a church is united. And by the way, some of these stories I'm going to say really quickly. There's a number of friends from, from our community that are here, and they can verify. They're part of this story. It's God's story. He's writing it, and we're just saying yes, all right? Like everyone else, when COVID hit and the school's closed, no one knew that the kids weren't going back, but they didn't. But in our community, over the last seven to ten years, the churches have been banding together and serving our schools. We've been doing school partnerships together, not one, not one congregation, but at least 30. And so when the schools closed, there were many educators who were very concerned, mostly about their most vulnerable students, those who ate their lunches and their breakfasts at school, those who they knew were going to have a food issue. And the schools were prohibited from going to their homes. But guess who wasn't prohibited? The churches. And all three of the school districts in our city reached out to the United Churches and said, will you please go to these families for us. Now I know there's supposed to be this little separation between church and school and church and state, but all of a sudden the school was saying, churches, you've been faithful. You're our most trusted volunteers. So we're actually going to give you names of some of our most vulnerable families. And within a week, 13 churches were taking food boxes to 80 families until the end of the summer. Now listen, That didn't happen because we had a plan, because nobody had a plan for COVID, but because we knew each other, we loved each other, we'd already been engaging with our community, God had it set up and we could respond quickly. It wasn't long after that, by the, well, end of May, we had the George Floyd tragedy. And if your community was like ours, there was a lot of pain There was a lot of protest. There was a lot of dialogue that needed to happen. And as the United Church, we got together with some pastors, different groups. We got together with our Hispanic pastors, a couple of our Chinese pastors, our African-American brothers and sisters. And we knew we need to do something because Jesus really cares about this. Within about three weeks, we were able to come up with a united statement of what we felt together the Lord would say to our community about racial injustice. I don't know about you, but I find that to be miraculous. Because for us to agree and to have a hundred churches and ministries sign that statement and we printed it, but then we also together met in our town square and held a prayer vigil and stood in solidarity with our BIPOC brothers and sisters. God wants us to be able to respond like that. We might not have said it exactly the way everyone would maybe say it, but we had enough love and trust with each other that the church could make a statement of love. I'm so honored to walk with the pastors and leaders in our city because I want to tell you it's real love. Like we know each other. We love each other. The kingdom of God is built on relationships. It's not really built on an organizational structure. But this relationship that's real carries the day. We thought we were just coming through the, through the summer when at the end of the summer, if nothing else horrible could happen, we had the fires, as I'm sure some of you did. 
It's Labor Day weekend just after, and the holiday farm fire broke out, and all of the sudden, upriver was streaming into Lane County, into Springfield, and the, and the evacuees were landing at a high school field, Silky Field, and hundreds of volunteers from our community gathered in that space, and there was food, and there was, and there was. Everything you could imagine. I mean, just the generosity began pouring in. There was, there was uh, you know, clothing. There were sleeping bags. And the church was there. And it was a very unique time for us because there really wasn't a great disaster preparedness plan. But there was a related group of people. And so Red Cross had set up a table for housing, but you know what? Red Cross ran into a handful of issues because this was the first time they were having to set up housing during COVID. So we couldn't put all of these evacuees in a gym. Nobody really knew. And so for a few nights, although they were trying to get people into hotels, for a few nights, there really were many people sleeping in cars. And and we were right there, right there with Red Cross, a handful of us, just, just, just there. We weren't certified, but we were the church. And they said, why don't you just make a little sign and say other housing options right next to us? We're like, we'll do it. Churches opened up their buildings. Churches opened up their parking lots. Churches gave people campers. Some church people opened home, opened bedrooms in their homes. And then there were churches that were, that were saying, we have a credit card here. You just take it. You guys are down there. We don't need 1,000 people down there. Put some people in hotels. We had to make some risky decisions. And we didn't have it all planned, but we had our trust. And the kingdom moves at the speed of trust. Now, we don't create unity, but you guys, as we lean into this, as the church leans into it, the divisive climate is not going away anytime soon in our country, I don't believe. But there is an alternative community called the church. There is an alternative community who doesn't fit in this camp or that camp, who fits in the Jesus camp, and it's called the kingdom, and that's what we're here to display. I want to just share a couple other things real quick. There's a, there's a dimension, and I, I just share this just briefly, but I believe there's a dimension. I believe that God is really actually moving very powerfully, sovereignly on the planet right now. If you're a pastor, it probably feels like, where's our brother that was leading? Yeah, it does feel like we're in the fifth walk around. So all we can do is look at Jesus. (laughs) That's what we're going to do. We're just going to look at him. We're going to stay really connected in the vine because he's leading this thing. As much as everything can feel a little shaky in this space right now, and I think these are some of our best days, not only will the world believe when they see the Jesus community of followers, but there's this passage in Ephesians 3.10. This this togetherness, our unity is demonstrating Jesus, but it's also putting the wisdom of God on display to entities in the spiritual realm and I think that's probably why there's such a, uh, an attack even on the unity. 
And so let's, let's not be ignorant of the enemy's schemes because here's God's intent. His intent in Ephesians 3.10 was that now through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The unity of the church, it's his idea, it's his design, it will stand the test of time because he's building the church. We might need some new wineskins, heads up. He might be creating some new wineskins in our day. It's okay. Let's let him do it because everything he does is good. Let's just be open-handed. But if we will obey, if we will do the words of Jesus, he will do more than we could ask or imagine. Of those 80 families that received food boxes from the church during those five, some of those went on for two weeks, it was one, peop- one person from a church consistently connecting with a family every week. There were so many testimonies of people coming and being at someone's house, like right after someone in their family had died, and they were there. It was like Jesus, in the midst of all this isolation, was sending out his people. Who could have ever set that up but the Lord? through a people connected to him in prayer and in unity. I'm going to close with just reading really quickly, and I invite you just to maybe just um, close your eyes and listen as I read Jesus' prayer. I'm going to go to John 17 again. Just let, pay attention to where his written voice gets your attention as I read this. How is he speaking to you? Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world, Father. And I give myself as a sacrifice for them so that they may be holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their message. And I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, Father, as you are in me and I'm in you. May they be in us so the world will believe you sent me. Jesus, what a mystery. What a powerful mystery that we make up your living body on the earth, filled with your spirit. Lord, help us see how you want us to live in unity in our individual lives right now and with others in the community that you've called us to live in, the community you've given to the church to steward. 
we say yes. We just yield. We yield to your design. We say yes to being an answer to your prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This episode was produced by the Northwest Christian Network. Theme song is Simply Beautiful by Scott Riggin. The Northwest Christian Network is a network of Christians and churches gathering together to serve the kingdom and cast their net across the Northwest. Find out more about our ministries and events at www.nwchristiannetwork.com. I'm Matt Holmes. Thanks for listening.